qualifications are important. When we go to see a doctor, we want to go to a doctor who's qualified, who knows what he or she is doing, who has the appropriate degrees and is licensed by the state. If we ever need a lawyer, right, the same thing. We want to go to a qualified lawyer, one who has a law degree and is a member of the State Bar Association and practices law in the area where we need legal help. And this is true in pretty much every single field. Nobody wants an unqualified mechanic working on their car or an unqualified accountant helping with taxes. Yet God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And very often, those that he chooses, calls, and sends, at least to the eyes of the world, don't seem very qualified. We see this truth illustrated in our readings. In our first reading, the prophet Amos um, is, is sent to prophesy to the sanctuary in Bethel, in the northern kingdom of Israel. And Amos, by his own admission, he isn't all that qualified. He says, I was a shepherd, a dresser of sycamore trees by trade. Neither job was particularly prestigious, and neither really had anything to do with being a prophet. He doesn't have any theological training. He isn't some kind of a, a member of a guild of prophets which existed at that time, nor does he have the, the stamp of authority from the royal court. Think of uh, the prophet Samuel or the prophet Nathan. They had that from David's um, uh, royal court, that this was the official prophet. Yet, nonetheless, the Lord calls Amos to be his messenger, to bring this message of repentance to the northern kingdom. Likewise, too, in our gospel, uh, Jesus sends his 12 apostles out to preach repentance. And it isn't as explicit in our gospel passage, the seven verses or so we have today, but we know it from the rest of the gospels that, again, on the surface, these 12 men weren't, uh, at least didn't seem very qualified. They hadn't studied at a rabbinical school. They weren't experts in the Mosaic law. Four of them were fishermen. One was a tax collector. They were, by all accounts, uh, very ordinary, everyday folk. Yet, Jesus called them individually to be his apostles, and he sends them to be the heralds of the kingdom of God, which is coming upon, uh, upon the world. What is true of Amos, what is true of the twelve apostles, is true of all of us, is true of every baptized Christian, when we are baptized, uh, we are incorporated into Christ's mystical body, and so we share in his threefold office as priest, prophet, and king. There's a lot that could be said about what that means to share in his role as priest and king, but because of the focus of our reading, let's talk about what it means to share in that prophetic office. It means that we all have a prophetic mission. Now, very often when we hear the word prophet, we immediately think of somebody who predicts the future. And that's not wrong. You know, we see that throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah predicts, foretells the virgin birth seven centuries later. He foretells that the Messiah will suffer greatly, that he will be pierced for our offenses, and by his stripes we will be healed. The prophets 
do foretell future events. But as we see in our first reading, Amos is sent to warn the North that unless they repent sincerely, uh, calamities will fall upon them. He is entrusted with a message to deliver. And this is really what's at the heart of the prophetic mission that we all share in, in virtue of our baptism. That we are called uh, not merely to practice the faith, but also to be willing to share it with others. And if that's a scary proposition, and if you hear that and think, look, I'm not qualified, well, you're in good company. Neither was Amos, neither were the apostles. So how are we called to share the faith, to fulfill this prophetic mission? There's two generic ways. By the testimony of our lives, by the witness of our lives, and by the spoken word. So if we seek to sincerely uh, follow Christ, if we seek to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and his neighbor as ourself, then our very life, will become something of a prophetic witness for those near to us. It will become a witness for our extended family and our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. Just by striving to uh, live the faith, that can be attractive to others. You know, today, July 11th, is St. Benedict's Feast Day. Now, it falls on a Sunday, so we're celebrating the Sunday Mass But uh, I often think of of St. Benedict when it comes to the witness of someone radically seeking to follow Christ. You know, St. Benedict lived right after the fall of the Roman Empire, and and there was great uh, chaos. There was also great moral corruption. And so he goes to live this life where he prefers nothing whatsoever to the love of Christ in a very radical way. And the surprising thing is that in this age of chaos and moral corruption, that's supremely attractive to people, to people who want to follow this monastic way of life, but also to just lay people who want to be close to it. The monasteries he founds, they end up becoming towns and cities because people want to be close uh, to this way of life that seeks to prefer nothing whatsoever to the love of Christ. Now, I don't use that example to say, okay, the way you do this is by becoming a monk. I just use it as an example that when we seek to sincerely follow Christ, just living our life can be a witness to others. But it can't just stay there. We have to be willing to speak the word, uh, to, to articulate the truth of the faith and word when the opportunity arises, when it's appropriate. And this, look, we're not, we're not supposed to be obnoxious about this. We're not supposed to be tactless about it. But when the opportunity arises... We ought to be able to, as we read in first, uh, the letter of, of First Peter, uh, to give a defense, an explanation for the hope that we have in Christ. And that, if that's a scary proposition, if you think, okay, look, I can strive to do uh, the witness part by how I live my life, but I can't, I can't talk about the faith with any competence. Again, uh, God doesn't call just priests or just nuns to talk about the faith, but all the baptized. And you know, one of the ways, uh, one of the underrated ways that uh, we can do this is simply by inviting people. You know, 
simply by inviting them maybe to come to Mass or talking about a, a, a Catholic book that we were reading that we really like. Or, you know, we're, we've, we've been doing this rosary on Wednesday nights at 7 and, and maybe say, hey, I'm praying, my, I'm praying rosary up at the Diddy Center with these friends of mine. Would you like to come? You know, anybody can pray the rosary. Uh, there's any number of ways, but by simply being willing to extend the invitation, that itself could be on a very basic level what it means to proclaim uh, uh, the faith to fulfill this prophetic mission with our words. But I think ultimately what really holds us back from, from articulating the faith is we're afraid of rejection. And that makes sense. We're social creatures. We don't like rejection of any kind. And as we saw in our first reading, Amos faced rejection. Amaziah tells him to leave the northern kingdom, to go back to Judah. And Jesus, in our gospel, he tells the apostles that they will face uh, rejection uh, when they preach repentance, that there will be those who won't listen to them. You know, I, Amos' response to Amaziah when Amaziah tells him to leave, I think it's really telling. He says, look, I didn't choose this life. I didn't choose to come up here and prophesy. The Lord called me. The Lord entrusted me with this message. He didn't send me to prophesy what you want to hear, but what he entrusted me with. And if you have a problem with that message, then your quarrel is not with me, but with the Lord. And that's kind of a similar thing to what the, the, the image of shaking the dust from your sandals is saying. The apostles, they're the messengers, right? They're bringing this message of repentance. And if people don't uh, accept it, well, that's... That's not something that we should be discouraged about. For one thing, even if they don't accept it uh, initially, they can later on. It can plant a seed that later blossoms. But ultimately, uh, Mother Teresa said, we're not called to success but to fidelity. We're not called to be successful but faithful. So let us not be discouraged by the possibility of rejection. And as we continue with Mass, let us pray that we might have the courage to be faithful to this prophetic mission we have all received at baptism, to proclaim the saving truth of the gospel in season and out of season.